0: Is America headed towards a genocide? After this episode, you'll likely be saying yes. But first, let's define what genocide is. It's described as the deliberate killing of a large number of people from a particular nation or ethnic group with the aim of destroying that nation or group. This could also include religious groups. Now let me introduce you to Gregory Stanton. He is a former research professor in genocide studies at George Mason University. He's a former State Department employee, and he even drafted the UN Security Council resolutions that became the International Criminal Tribunal for Rwanda. He's also the founding president of Genocide Watch. His research led him to create the 10 stages of genocide. But here in America, we wouldn't even pretend to think that we would rank on that, right? Actually, if you read his stages carefully, you'll see that we're probably around a stage 7. Let's get a little context, though. Currently, Genocide Watch has more than 20 countries listed at an emergency phase, which is the very last step. Nearly 10 countries are at stage 8 and 9, and more than half a dozen are listed in the beginning stages. This organization doesn't list the United States at any of these 10 stages, but as this unfolds, you'll see why I think that should change. Now, I got a lot of this information from someone called Dave Hodges. He hosts the Common Sense Show, and he went through Stanton's list of genocidal stages. So this is loosely based off of that with a few original interpretations and examples provided by myself. But you should definitely check out his show because he goes into a lot more detail on issues just like this. So the very first stage of genocide is classification. This is when a culture starts distinguishing people into us and them categories. This can be by ethnicity, race, religion, or nationality. So, the most obvious example of this is going to be Hitler with the Jews. It was all the Aryans against the Jews. But how does this play out today in the United States? Well, I would point you towards how we talk about people in this country your extremist Republicans, your MAGA. Ultra MAGA. We like to separate out Proud Boys, Boogaloo Boys, anybody that we can that's far right. Give them a label. Maybe you've heard them called conspiracy theorists. Anti-vaxxers. It's these labels that seek to divide us from our fellow man. The next stage is symbolization. This stage is described as giving names or other symbols to classifications. So, for example, when it came to the Jews during Nazi Germany, they had to wear the star on their arm. And while we don't have things like this quite as extreme in the United States, we are seeing symbolization take place here in the country to indicate us versus them. Several months ago, an FBI whistleblower leaked a memo from the Bureau. It was Domestic Terrorism Symbols Guide on Militia Violent Extremists. This went on to cite people like Ashley Babbitt from the January 6th riot as a MVE martyr, that militia violent extremist martyr. But go beyond Ashley Babbitt and get into the meat of this document, which can pretty much place millions and millions of people as an MVE. When it comes to symbols to look out for, it's things like the come-and-take-it flag or the Second Amendment. And then it goes down into commonly referenced historical imagery or quotes. This includes the Gadsden flag. That's the snake on the yellow background that says, don't tread on me. There's the Liberty Tree, the Betsy Ross flag. Merely having these items or flying them, showing them, displaying them, makes the FBI think that you're possibly a militia violent extremist. And that's a pretty radical idea to have, given that still 71 million people voted for Trump, and a lot of them fly these flags, a lot of them wear imagery of this on t-shirts and hats. It's quite a stretch to think that there's that many terrorists roaming in the country. You could also go a step further and say, culturally, we look at masks as a symbolization of us versus them. Remember when those on the left kept wearing the masks after they got vaccinated because they didn't want to be seen as a conservative or alt-right or a Republican. So even though they didn't need it, they were wearing it as a symbol to say, I am not that person. Third stage is discrimination. This is described as when a dominant group uses law, custom, and political power to deny the rights of other groups. This group may not be accorded full civil rights or even citizenship. Obviously, we saw this with vaccine mandates that violates your human rights to be told you have to do something. Biden was pushing these on people through government agencies and through the military and through transportation with things like truckers. And the government even started deciding what was religious enough to get those exemptions, which is a little tricky. I don't know how they think they know what you what you think about God or how you feel about your own faith. But nevertheless, they were trying to make these determinations. People were threatened with their livelihood or their life, depending on whether they wanted to get the vaccine or they wanted to keep their job. The next step, number four, is dehumanization. This is defined as when one group denies the humanity of the other group. Things like hate propaganda in print, on hate radios, or in social media is used to vilify the victim group. We started hearing people on the radio, on television, commentators, pundits, talking heads, saying that people didn't deserve medical treatment if they hadn't been vaccinated. Famously, Shock jock Howard Stern said that people should be denied access to hospitals if they hadn't been vaxxed. And we've seen plenty of people being denied life-saving transplants because they didn't want to get the vaccine. Let's move on to the next stage, which is organization. This stage is defined as being organized, usually by the state, often using militias to provide deniability of state responsibility. We see this a lot with groups like Black Lives Matter, Antifa, some other George Soros-funded groups. These are carrying out the mission of maybe you could say the extreme left, the pushback against Trump voters or Republicans. It's taking action in an aggressive and violent format. After the Roe v. Wade decision was overturned, we saw a lot of these groups or. Groups affiliated with it maybe sharing similar ideologies, going around and bombing abortion clinics. There was in a map of pregnancy centers that was floating around so people could help identify which one's the target. The next step is polarization, which is described as extremists driving the groups apart. Hate groups broadcasting polarizing propaganda. On the one-year anniversary of January 6th, President Biden blamed Trump and his supporters for, quote, holding a dagger to the throat of democracy. We saw this again with his recent speech where he had the red background and the armed guards behind him, where he was dividing and polarizing people, Trump Republicans separating people out, really fanning the flames of hate towards those who supported President Trump. And we can see this culturally, too, where the polarization is starting to take hold and separate people families are divided over things like vaccine mandates and masks you'd go online and see articles of people who weren't letting family into weddings without vaccine papers you can't get into a lot of events still to this day in big cities without vaccine papers people that were in college or wanted to enroll in college were forced to get the vaccine to stay or to continue and if you didn't Comply with a lot of this online or in life, you refer to as an anti-vaxxer or a science denier or a conspiracy theory. You really couldn't get a fair shake. This polarization of separating people apart is getting worse and worse. The seventh stage, which is the one I believe we've reached recently, is preparation. This stage is defined as using euphemisms to cloak their intentions, such as referring to their goals as ethnic cleansing, purification, or counterterrorism. This step has been linked to the plan for the final solution for the Jewish population during Nazi Germany. Of course, what's happening here in the U.S. isn't anywhere close to that. But we are starting to see some of this language being used to separate people, put them on lists. This establishing of lists and separating people out came to light recently during the questioning of Chief Product Officer of Facebook, Chris Cox, by Republican Senator Josh Hawley. They were talking about free speech and censorship in the light of the COVID pandemic and misinformation. And a lawsuit has brought forth emails. And we can see direct collusion between the Biden administration and Facebook in trying to silence people's accounts or censor their content. And I'm going to play a brief clip here so you get exactly what was said and what's been going on.
1: On July 20th, 2021, Clark Humphrey at the White House who's digital director of the COVID-19 response team, emailed Dave Sumner at your company, among others, asking any way we can get this pulled down and cited a specific Instagram account. Within 46 seconds, your company responded and said, yep, on it. That sounds like what in the law we call a pattern in practice of meeting, coordinating, and colluding with the United States government to target particular speech that no one in any of these emails alleges is incitement, which would not be constitutionally protected. No one in any of these emails alleges it directly encourages violence, which would not be constitutionally protected. So it appears to all be constitutionally protected speech on, I might add, very politically sensitive topics that Facebook is directly working with the U.S. government to target and remove. Is that your company policy to do this kind of thing? Senator, we were, we were quite public about our uh, cooperation with uh, health organizations during the unprecedented time of COVID. We knew that people expected and wanted accurate information on our platform. We had conversations with the CDC, with the World Health Organization, and with other public health organizations, not just in the US, but abroad. In order to understand how to help sure, make sure that folks weren't getting information that could cause imminent harm. Fair enough, so you're you're saying that this this was in fact company policy to have these kinds of meetings with HHS, with the CDC, with the White House directly that you did engage in, in this behavior and you think that it was entirely fine. Is that your testimony? Senator, I do believe it's appropriate for companies like ours to be in consultation with public health organizations and with government.
0: Pretty quick response from Facebook and pretty swift action to do exactly as the Biden administration wants. Again, this is semi like a list. They're pushing people off. You can't be in the cool club. You can't be here on certain platforms because the government decided that you can't be. we have about the disinformation dozen. People like Ty and Charlene Bollinger, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Christian Northrup, Dr. Mercola, all these people that have been pushed out of the mainstream and being accused of misinforming then you got the doctors who have faced a lot of pushback like malone and fleming for their vaccine skepticism and many doctors are facing pressure from medical boards for some of the statements that they've made about vaccines like dr carrie Madey. now that was the first seven stages which i believe we fully have reached we're probably getting close to persecution this is when people start getting physically separated and segregated. Now, we're not putting people into ghettos or in concentration camps, but we're doing a very, very maybe lighter version of this. For example, we saw Trump get his home raided, broken his personal space on what seems to be kind of loose allegations of who knows what from the FBI. Can we even believe what they're saying? We've had dozens of his allies that have had search warrants. We saw Bannon, Steve Bannon from formerly Breitbart, being perp-walked. Mike Lindell had his phone seized while he was in the drive through of a Hardee's. A lot of people think this sounds like the Gestapo. People are getting stopped all over, just taking phones, snooping around, trying to intimidate people. Today it's Steve Bannon, and maybe a lot of people don't like him, but how would you feel if you were getting perp-walked for possibly just your political affiliations or Mike Lindell for having a different opinion? He got his phone taken away while he's trying to get some breakfast. January 6th prisoners they are still stuck in jail, waiting their trials. Whether you think what they did was wrong or not, or whether they should face crimes, they've been there for a year and a half. The wheels of justice are moving slowly, and they're getting a lot of pressure and most likely getting trumped-up charges for what they actually did do. The final two stages of the genocide map that Stanton laid out are extermination, which we are nowhere near, haven't even come close to starting that, and then finally denial, which is denying the genocide even happened in the first place. If you would like to learn more about the author of these 10 stages, Gregory Stanton, then head over to his website of the organization he founded called Genocide Watch. There, you can take a look at reports they've conducted on countries throughout the world and at which stages they believe they're progressing along the spectrum. Thanks for listening to Overnight Opinions. Be sure to tune in next Sunday for an all-new episode. In the meantime, be sure to head over to TikTok and follow the Ladies Love Politics channel. And if you're into alternative media, then be sure to follow us on Brideon, Bitshoot, and Rumble.